0: We are live. We welcome all of you that are watching us and they'll get this podcast. We want to remind everybody we'll have a little prayer right here in just a second for the youth camp where a lot of our people are at, the children and stuff. And so want to pray for them and we want to pray over the scripture here that we'll hear God's voice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for those that are here in the building tonight. Thank you. For those that are watching, we thank you for your word, your word you've magnified above your name, and we just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will lead and direct us tonight and feed us, Lord, with your word and help us to be more like you when we leave here tonight, Lord. We pray, Lord, for our teenagers uh, that are at camp, most of them are at camp tonight, Lord, we just pray that you'll watch over them and the adults that are working with them, Lord, and those that are traveling, we have a lot of folks travel this time of year, we just pray you'll... Keep them safe, Lord, and those that have gathered around some kind of screen that are joining us tonight. We just pray that they'll hear your word like us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's go to uh, Job chapter 5. Let's pick up in verse... We went through verse 18. We're going to back up to verse 18 and then take back off again. Eliphaz has been talking. That's one of Job's friends that showed up. A lot of the stuff he's saying is true, but it's just not true about Job. He's assuming a lot here. And this is a hard backdrop because it's human nature for us to... And and we're bad about swinging the pendulum this way too far. And then instead of getting it back in balance, we're bad about swinging it that way too far. And so uh, we... Now, Job's friends have gathered around and they just cannot wrap their mind around the fact that somebody who would suffer that much and suffer that much loss, there wouldn't be something wrong somewhere. Now, let's be honest. You know, if we saw somebody get totally wiped out from every direction, what would be your first thought? I mean, that's human nature a lot of times. wonder what going on with them right wonder what you know and so these guys come and sit it for probably close to seven days i believe it was who knows how long it took them to get there because this news didn't travel over the internet you know sometime they heard what all happened to their friend and they showed up and sat around silent then eliphaz steps up to the plate first he shares these things he's been getting a little more edgy as he's went down through here. And again, some of the things he's saying, most of what he's saying is true, but it's just not applicable to Job. You've got to realize Job, at this point, none of his friends, One Eliphaz claimed that some spirit gave him some kind of insight, but it didn't line up with what's going on, so... If you get a voice talking to you, that voice better be lining up with what's in this book. If it don't line up with what's in this book, then it ain't God. And we've got, now we've got churches, so-called Christian churches. When I use the word Christian, I'm not using it denominationally, I'm using it corporately. We all call ourselves Christians if we are followers of Christ. And uh, we got Christian churches that are using tarot cards and getting into witchcraft. And I mean, it's just, they're following all kinds of spirits. And so uh, we don't, uh, if you're hearing a voice, whatever that voice is saying to you, bring it and make sure it lines up then doesn't violate Scripture. So they finally start talking. Eliphaz, he will continue with what he says. He says, He bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Good statement, true statement. Uh, Hosea chapter 6 says exactly the same thing. Uh, in fact, I can read that to you. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, This is Israel. This is prophetic about them. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. And then it goes into something prophetic about them at the end of time that we used a lot. But. That concept is true. So he says, He bruises, he binds up, he wounds, but he hand, his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles, yes, in seven no evil shall touch you. What's Proverbs say? A righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll get up seven times. God will be his help. That's true. In famine, he shall redeem you from death and war from the power of the sword. Uh, you shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. And you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. So those are basic principles that may generally apply, but these guys, none of them know the conversation that's went on. Now Job obviously eventually knows that that went on between God and Satan. God didn't He's not judging Job. He's using Job as an instrument. And showing his faithfulness. He believed or trusted in Job's faithfulness. And now all this is in here so we can learn and be encouraged and strengthened by it. You're all going to face battles. We're all going to, I'm going to face battles. We're all going to be attacked by Satan. And sometimes God's going to allow us to go through difficult times because he's using that for his purpose. And certainly, Nowhere is that more clear than here with Job. He says, You uh, shall laugh at destruction and famine. You shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. For you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field. And the beast of the field shall be at peace with you. You shall know that your tent is is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many. And your offspring like the grass of the earth. You shall come to the grades at a full age. And you read. Let me read verse twenty-five again. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many, and your offspring like the grass of the earth. Now he's just lost all of his children, and that was a pretty big stab right there at him. And again, these guys don't know what's went on behind the scenes. They're assuming some things, and that's why you and I have to wait in on people carefully. Because we don't know everything about everything. Only the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. And so we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to stay in God's Word. We need to speak when He gives us something to say. And we need to be careful about handing off our opinions and when we do hand them off, we need to make sure people understand. You know I do that from this pulpit. That it is an opinion and not the word of God. We need to be careful with that. Uh, he says, you have, come, you have come to the graves of full old age. Your offspring will be plenteous. He just lost all his children. A sheaf of grain ripens in his season. Behold, this we have searched out. It is true. Hear it and know it for yourself. So they feel like Job's brought this on himself. But he has not. Do you know some of the best people in the Bible suffered the most? Joseph. Job. Daniel. Abel. Jesus. I mean, we could go on and on. Some of the best people in the Bible suffered the most. And I thought about that. I thought... Is that because that they're so tied to God, they they are in no matter what, that He can use them in that way and they won't get bitter? They won't back away from their testimony that He's number one in their life. They won't shy away. They won't fall away. These people like Joseph. I mean, Joseph didn't deserve what all he went through in the natural He was just doing God's will. In fact, the reason he wound up in prison was because he obeyed the Lord instead of Potiphar's wife. Now that's hard for us to get our minds around. uh, That somebody that good could suffer that much. And Job, here he is in the middle of it. Now he's going to respond. He says... Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid it it on the scales. With it on the scales. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey brave when it has grass? Or does the ox low over its fodder? In other words, everything's going good. It's all good. Now he's in the midst of trouble. He's handled this well toward God. He's not turning away from God. He's not bad-mouthing God. But he's still struggling with the why. And he wants to know, as you'll see as he talks here, what have I done? You know, he would like to know if he's done something, what have I done? He says, can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them for they are loathsome food to me. He's in a place where he's turned off to everything. He don't have any understanding at this time of what's going on. He's probably wondering day after day, what have I done to turn God against me? Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant me the thing that I long for. That he would please that, that it would please God to crush me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off loose his hand and cut me off now you 're in a lot of despair when you feel that way, but notice job would never take his own life he wouldn't step into that he wouldn 't talk about that, but he was asking God to take him out. I will never forget this just a few years ago watching these women in Syria when Al-Qaeda was coming in. Al-Qaeda would come in and they were testifying, they were interpreting what they were saying. They said, tell the Americans to bomb us and kill us. That's what the mothers were saying. And they asked them why. And they said, because every day Al-Qaeda comes and takes our small children, boys and girls, and rapes them all day and then brings them back in the evening. They said, we just want to die. Just kill us all. That's some despair, right? It's some despair when your desire is to just die. And that's where Job's at. Now, I'm thankful Job's in the Bible because it keeps me from feeling sorry for myself. I like it. But man, I feel him right here. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and all your offspring's dead? All your children, all your grandchildren, and they call you and all your money's gone, everybody's gone, all all the people that work, whatever you had is gone. And all your friends are there, but they think there's something wrong with you. Can you imagine being in that spot? His own wife didn't want nothing to do with him. I mean, this is an extreme situation. But so was that in Syria. That's extreme. I'd probably be saying the same thing. What would you do to feel helpless as soldiers came in and took your nine-year-old daughter every morning and raped her all day and then brought her back home in need. That's evil. That's where we're at, folks. This child trafficking and all that, they're saying it's going to surpass drug traffic. I'd say it probably already has because there's so much of that that's underground. And, and the cost, the, the money that's involved in that is far greater than drugs. And it ought to make every one of us sick to our stomach how evil people are. I, I feel for Job. It makes me not want to complain over nothing. When you see this story, when you read about this, when you see what Jesus went through, what Joseph went through, the Bible talks about suffering for doing wrong. In the New Testament, it says we deserve to suffer if we do wrong. But what about those... And then it goes on to talk about those who suffer for doing right. That we're supposed to commit ourselves to God and keep doing good. And that's what Job's doing. We're seeing the flesh. We're seeing him. I, I'm glad he's real with us. He's being real with us. He's talking about, I wish God would just loose his hand and cut me off though Then I would still have comfort, though in anguish I would exult. He will not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. But he's not hid anything about God. He's been on God's side. What strength do I have? What I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh bronze? Is my help not within me? And is success driven from me? Everything's gone. Everything's gone. To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My brothers have dealt deceitfully like a brook, like the streams of the brooks that pass away. And you'll hear Job throughout say, if there's something wrong, let me know. Somebody, you know, he talks to God, I want to know. And that's usually what I do. If I run into trouble or adversity, that's the first thing I do. I learned it from Job, I guess, is I go check and make sure there's nothing wrong between me and God. I want to clear that up. And so you'll find the enemy will come in in your life, and God will allow it. And sometimes if the enemies come in, you've let him in, right? The difference between entering into temptation and falling. Sometimes we let the enemy in, so we need to close the door on that. Sometimes we're allowed to go in times of testing. And it has nothing to do with what we've done. It's God's moment to take us through a time of testing to mature our faith, to bring us out. It's the, trying. the Bible says in Peter, the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. So God's trying to build our faith. If it's impossible to please God without faith, and we know that's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6, then it makes sense that God would be doing things in our lives that would increase our faith. Because the more faith I have, the more I'm able to please God. It's, His, it's those who trust Him that He's most pleased with. You look at some of the guys that are the greatest people in the Bible, they had, their track records weren't great. But they refused to stop trusting in God. And sometimes their greatest failures was what drove them even closer to God, because they realized what they were capable of, and it caused them to cling that much closer to God. And so he says, uh, "To him who's afflicted kindness should have been shown, my brothers have dealt." He said, in verse 16, "Which are dark because of, uh, which are dark because of the eyes?" and into which snow vanishes... Let me back up. My brothers have dealt deceitfully like a brook, like the streams of the brooks that pass away, which are dark because of the ice, and and into which the snow vanishes when it is warm. They cease to flow when it is hot. They vanish from their place. The paths of their way turn aside. They go nowhere and perish. The uh, caravans of Tima look, and the travelers of Sheba hope for them. They are disappointed because they were confident... They come there and, and are confused. For now, you are nothing. You see terror and are afraid. Did I ever say, bring something to me or offer a bribe for me from your wealth? Job saying, have I done anything to you all? That's... Or deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand? Job really hadn't asked anything of these guys. He had trusted in God and Job had actually been, you know, I think we read where it said, he's the eyes to the blind, and he was always helping everybody. It says, teach me, and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand where I have erred. See, now that's where Job's coming from. You know, show me what's wrong. What, that's a good attitude, right? Show me what's wrong, and I'll fix it. I'll repent or whatever. Now, notice the difference between him and the prodigal. The prodigal had a heart, but he was blind to all the, what that meant. He had to go out, eat with the pigs, and the Bible says when he was out there with the pigs, he came to himself. And he realized what was going on in his own heart. You can go home and beat your head against the wall and keep trying and give what you think good instruction and good wisdom to people, but if they can't see what you see, they will not cooperate. They won't. Now, let me tell you what the dad of me probably would have thought. I would have thought, you ain't getting nothing. You get over in that seat and sit down. You ain't leaving this house. You gonna, I was going to let you have it when you was 21. Now I ain't letting you have it till you're 36. But that wouldn't have fixed anything. Because his heart would have been the same sitting in that chair when he left. So that, see, I know it's hard for us, especially if it's somebody you love, to let God take them into places where he reveals himself to them. And you can see it. It may be somebody you know, somebody you work with, a child, somebody you're close to, and you think, man, I could help you. I can help you if you'll let me. But they're not going to let you help them until it's revealed to them that they can see what you see. When I played basketball in high school, I had a coach who said, Now, tonight we're playing a really good... A guy on the other team was really good at doing a certain thing and and scoring the basket. So it was my job to be there and try to keep that from happening. And so he said, tonight, he said, we're going to do something different. He said, we're going to go behind the screen instead of fighting through it. Well, he had his reasons for that. But when I started the game, I went back to my old mindset, and I just thought, well, that ain't ain't going to work. So what I do, I fought through the screen like we'd always done. And what he do, that guy made three straight jumpers. And what what did coach do? He called timeout. He met me halfway. I ha- I didn't even get to the bench. He met me 15 feet out on the floor, grabbed me by the jersey, took me over there and set me down gently, if you believe that. <laughs> and told me what the game plan was again. So I went back out, and I did what he said, and the guy missed the shot. He was right, you know, but I couldn't see it. But when he grabbed me by the jersey and took me through a little trial, put a little fire in me, I could see what he was talking about. And I had one of those dads that when I went home, he didn't say how dare that coach grab you by the jersey? He said, what were you doing wrong? You deserved it, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, you were, I did. I deserved what I got. Until you see, until that person you want to help sees what you see, you're wasting your time. And we've got to be careful with that. I was reminded of some verses in Proverbs about casting our pearls before the swine and about trying to inst- instruct a fool. You better steer clear of that. I had too. You, don't, you can't instruct a fool. And, uh, and we just, we're we just asking for trouble if we get involved with fools. So you've got to let God break that down. And as He breaks that down. See, there was a lot more wisdom. He wasn't a weak father. The prodigal's father wasn't a weak father. He knew what he was doing. And just throwing your weight around, or me throwing my weight around, is not always the right solution. That's why moms and dads need to train their children that the buck don't stop with them, it stops with God. If you trained your children that the buck stops with you instead of God, you need to go back and correct that with them. The buck don't stop with me. You can ask all of my children. I taught them from day one, hey, the buck don't stop with me. You're going to have to stand before God someday and give an account of yourself, and I won't be there. And neither will your mom. It'd just be you and God. Because you belong to God before you belong to me. He gave you to us. Now we are stewards over you. But you still belong to God before you belong to me. So you, the prodigal's father was a lot smarter maybe than we think. He allowed this to play out. And that's hard to do, Right? And you're going to have children that are different and grandchildren that are different. And it's going to be hard to let God work His process through them sometimes, especially when it don't feel good or it don't look good. But God knows what He's doing. You stay on your knees. You do what Job did. You keep praying. You keep handing them off the Word of God. You keep them under your jurisdiction until that time comes when they have to start making their own decisions. Train them up. Do that right. You know what the Bible talks about all that? The benefits we'll have from that. So all these people will be looking for that. He says, I've not treated any of you this way. He says, how forceful are right words, but what does your arguing prove? Do you intend to rebuke my words and the speeches of a desperate one, which are as wind? Yes, you overwhelm the fatherless and you undermine your friend. Now therefore be pleased to look at me, for I would never lie to your face. Yield now, let there be no injustice. Yes, concede, my righteousness still stands. Is there injustice on my tongue? Cannot my taste discern the unsavory? He's been searching himself. He wants to know if there's something wrong. He can't find it. He's not been revealed to him. And in fact, there is nothing wrong this time. He goes on to say, Is there not a time of hard service for man on earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hired man? Like a servant who earnestly desires the shade and like the hired man who eagerly looks for his wages? So I've been allotted months of futility. And wearisome nights have been appointed to me? While I lie down, I say, When shall I rise and the night be ended? For I have had my fill of tossing till dawn. Anybody ever had a night like that? Now, you see the contrast. David stepped into sin and, and pursued that sin until it took him into several sins where he had Bathsheba, then he had, uh, had, she had conceived a son, and all this stuff was out of wedlock and uh, adultery. Then he had the guy killed. David might as well have killed him himself. He had him put to the front of the line so he would die. In fact, when he come home, before that happened, he, David tried to get him to go be with his wife so it would be cover for him, right? Remember that? That's all part of the story. He was trying to get all that worked out. David was working in the flesh. Then he did reap some of what he sowed, didn't he? He lost that son. He got a lot of trouble. He got in trouble with God. Job's different. It's a different situation. So you can see both sides. So that's why I say when you step into adversity, get away, talk to God, find out where it's coming from. And so he says, look what he's going through. He says, when I lie down, I say, well, I shall arise the night being For I have had my fill of tossing till dawn. My flesh is caked with worms and dust. My skin is cracked and breaks out Afresh. In the Hebrew, it's like he's got maggots in his flesh. Wow. you talking about suffering. This guy is suffering. He said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and they are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. I won't ask this of anybody. I don't know everybody's situation. But I will say this. I watched my grandmother bury two children and nobody wants to bury their children. I don't want to bury them. I want my children... Sorry, Jared. (laughs) I want you all to have to bury me before I have to bury... I mean, that's bad, ain't it? Nobody wants to bury their children. Job had to bury all ten of his. In one service. One funeral. Tragic. He said, uh, My eyes shall never again see good. The eye of him who sees me will see me no more. While your eyes are upon me, I shall no longer be. As the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down... To the grave does not come up. He shall never return to his house. Nor shall his place know him any anymore. <clears throat> Therefore I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a sea serpent. That you set a guard over me. Now look who the you is this time. It's capitalized. Talking to God. When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you, capitalized, scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. I'm trying to decide whether to say what I'm getting ready to say. (laughs) And this is harder on my son over here than it is me. But when we lost grace, hear me out now. Don't judge me till you hear me out. (laughs) My complaint was not with the judge. I think he made a horrible decision. I would tell him that if I had the chance. But my complaint was with God. Because I knew he had the heart of the judge in his hand. He could have turned it. I'm not bitter toward the judge. Because I know who's in charge. That's why I was wrestling with God. I wasn't trying to beat the system. I knew the one who owned the system. So, you see, I understand a little bit where Job's coming from here. His real struggle is with God because he knows God's in charge. Now, that settles me in one way, right? Right? That keeps me from having to run around and trying to patronize everybody. Because I know who's in charge. The Bible says he's got the heart of the king in his hand to just turn it however he wishes. To make it do whatever he says. So you don't have to shoot with a shotgun. You can shoot with a rifle. Because our help comes from the Lord. We know who's in charge. God overrode my family and all of you all, because I know many of you were praying, He overrode all of us. And I can live with that, because I know He's smarter than me, He's more powerful than me, He's everything I'm not. Now that was hard and I wrestled for a lot of months with that. But I know who's in charge That's what kept me from being angry toward anybody in particular, and especially the judge. I'm not angry. I think he made a poor decision, but I'm not mad at him. I'm not bitter because I know God's bigger than all that. And for whatever reasons, I don't know at this time, God had his reasons. Just like he did with Moses, he took him out of his home and had him raised in Pharaoh's house. That would make sense to us, right? If you believe in God, if, you, if you're a Jew, why would it make sense? Now hear me, this is what helped me through that. Why would it make sense that God would take our Jewish son, who believes in the only true and living God, and raise him in a pagan house? But that's where God finally took me after I quit fussing and complaining. And wrestling, right? It's like the monk I told you about. The guy said, what are you doing? He said, I'm wrestling with God. And he said, and you hope to win? He said, no, I hope to lose. You're not going to out-wrestle God. You're going to walk away with a limp if you wrestle with God. But it'll be the best limp you've ever had in your life. You want God to win. I needed him to win, but I also needed to wrestle with him, just like Job. I saw a different facet of God in that season in my life that I hadn't seen before. It's caused me to love Him more. I don't know everything about that situation or any situation, but I know He can be trusted. I know. He's in charge. And I know He don't do wrong. And He don't make poor decisions like I do sometimes. He's right. He says, I will restrain my mouth. I won't restrain my mouth. He's, he's wrestling with God here. So that my soul... Uh, he says, you scare me so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my body. He, he See, He don't have any concept that the devil's come to try and get God to have a showdown, basically. And God says, you want to have a showdown? The best guy I got there is Job. He won't, he won't walk out on me. That's how this all come about. So Job, like myself and Jared, we he knew who was in charge. So he's coming back to wrestle with God. He knew God was in charge. Even though God's not at fault here, he knew God was in charge, so his complaint is coming to God I now listen to what the Bible says about our prayers. it calls them petitions. I make my petitions to the Lord, not the court. Our prayers are petitions, the Bible says they go up before the Lord. He said, I loathe my, he says, so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my body. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone, for my days are but a breath. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you, this use capitalized, right? You should visit him every morning and test him every moment. How long? will you look will you not look away from me and let me alone till i swallow my saliva now he's complaining and that's human nature but he you hear his complaint he still even in his complaining he's still telling us who's in charge he still knows he's got to look to god he still knows He's his only resource. Have I sinned? What have I done to you? Capitalized. O watcher of men. Why have you set me as your target? So that I am a burden to myself. The devil is actually using Job as a target. God is using Job as an instrument. So that we would all be helped. Now think about this. This is the oldest written text in the Bible. It's not the oldest information. But it's the oldest book. It's the first book penned down, they believe. The oldest information, of course, is in Genesis, which Moses penned down later than Job. Moses is after Job. <clears throat> and God gave Moses his information, so God knows all the history, right? So the oldest information is not in this book, but the oldest End down book is Job. Now you think about that. We got all these doctrinal things, all this stuff we want to know about doctrine and everything else, and I'm right and they're wrong, and we did it right, and they didn't do it right. That wasn't on God's mind at all to have the first in the first book. You know what was on His mind? Giving us some information about the battle we're in. And showing us how it works and letting us know that He's in charge no matter what. What a wonderful thing to do. What a wonderful thing to do to pin down the first thing, the first information that God had pinned down was stuff we needed to know about ourselves, about Him, and about our adversary. Because I'm going to tell you something when you get to heaven, they don't have a Baptist block. They don't have a Nazarene block. They don't have a Pentecostal block. They don't have a Methodist block. They don't have any of that. In fact, Paul tried to get all that from getting off the ground. He said, one of you says, I'm of Paul. And one of you says, I'm of Apollos. And this, Cephas. He said, I thank God I didn't baptize none of you but one house. He said, you're getting divided. He tried to stop all that before it got off the ground. But men are persistent. Because men just want to do their thing. Over and over. And that's why we have... Hundreds and hundreds of denominations now. But that wasn't God's heart. God's heart was to keep us unified. God's heart was to let us know, you're in a battle, you have an adversary, but I'm right here with you no matter how bad it gets. That's the first thing God wanted us to know. He wanted us to know there's a battle going on. You're caught in the middle of it, between good and evil, between God and Satan. And I'm showing you how this battle works. And I want you to stand with me even in your hardest hour because I am here with you. And when I get done with you, I will recover you. And we'll see that as we go through this book. He says, uh, Have I sinned? What have I done to you? O watcher men? why have you set me as your target? So I'm a burden to myself. Why then do you not pardon my transgression? So he's just reaching, right? He's grasping. And take, uh, take away my iniquity, for now I will lie. He knew, right? He knew how good God was. He's saying, if I've got some sin, pardon me. And that's what these guys are starting to think. They're thinking, what's wrong with Job? And so Job's going into that. He's saying, if there's something wrong with me, and I don't know about it, I don't see it, why don't you pardon me? He knew God was the one to pardon me. He said, for now I will lie down in the dust, and you will seek me diligently, But I will no longer be. Now, we may or may not come back to Job, but let's flip over to Psalm 30. And let me show you something here. Listen to the similar language. But this is a guy that kind of gives us a summary of the book of Job in this one Psalm. Because David went through hardship. Some of David's hardship, he brought on himself. He wouldn't like Job or... In some ways he was like Job because he got some stuff unjustly. A lot of stuff. Saul was after him unjustly. I remember David was riding in one day and they were cursing him and lying on him. And, and he said, I'll just leave him alone. Said they couldn't do that if God didn't allow it. Because his guy was going to go up and just kill him. <laughs> and uh, so David said, no, I'll let the, Look at him. Listen to, listen to the language in this psalm. And... We don't know, I think, uh, exactly who penned this down. But David orchestrates and directs all this up. And I I believe it was a a psalm of David. He said, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. So that, he's experiencing that. And David had a mixture, right? Some stuff he brought on himself, some stuff... He didn't bring on Himself. it's just part of the battle. Oh Lord my God, I cried out to You and You healed me. O oh Lord, You brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Our praise will go higher and deeper, not because we get good at something, but because we start realizing how good God's been to us. And it wasn't us that brought us to this place. It was Him. That's when our praise grows and gets deeper. Is when we realize that God brought us here. We didn't get here on our own. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment... And his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved, right? He thought he had it made. Lord, by your favor, you've made my mountain stand strong. He realizes who done that. You hid your face and I was troubled. Job feeling that, right? I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made my supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Now what did Job say? He says, in that last verse, he says, Why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust and you will seek me diligently, but I will no longer be. And David uses some similar language here. He says, when I go down the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Now, I want to, I want to be real with you. Sometime I've, some, I've been doing this for 30-some years, full time. And I, sometimes I've buried people and I've told the Lord, I've told the Lord, I said, I think we could use them down here more than you need them up there. You know I'm thinking, Lord, they're just going to fly around in a diaper and play with a harp up there. <laughs> That's not true, right? That's how the world looks at it, right <laughs> That I, I've told the Lord. I said, "Lord, I feel like we could have used them a little while longer. You don't really need them up there, do you, right? This quick, do you? But he's sovereign, right? And people go on to their reward, and He knows everything. But, and David's kind of saying, hey, if I go to the pit or to the dust, I won't be able to praise you, you know. Who's but you know what Jesus said? They said, you need to tell all these people to be quiet. And Jesus said, if I tell all these people to be quiet, these rocks will start crying out and praising me. The trees. So I'm, here's what we've got to understand. When God... Take somebody home, he don't lose a step. When God took John the Baptist home, he didn't lose a step. It's God that makes things happen, not men and women. We don't have great men and women. We have a great God who uses common men and women. That's what we have. He can use a fish. He can use a donkey. He can use a rooster. He can do whatever he wants. He can make rocks to sing and praise him. He wants us to cooperate and be with him, but we are common men and women. We are flawed individuals. He steps into our life, into this clay, and uses us. And then he says, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me in Psalm 30. Lord, be my helper. You have turned from me you have turned for me my morning into dancing. He's Isaiah talked about this too. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God I will give you give thanks to you forever. That's what Job will enter into. Job will enter into that very moment when God starts restoring him. And these guys that are shooting at him or taking jabs at him, I don't question their love for Job. They love Job. But they're in that mindset. And some of you may have grown up in a church like that. Something bad happened over there? must be something wrong. You know why Abel got killed? Because he did the right thing. You know why Joseph went to prison? Because he did the right thing. You know why Paul and Silas wound up in prison? Because they cast the devil out of a woman. Doing the right thing don't exempt us from having adversity. In fact, if you're going to do the right thing, you're probably going to attract the devil's attention a little more. Than somebody who's sitting over there doing nothing. So you pose a threat. If you're serious about your relationship with God. If you're that person. That gets in the word every day. That spends time in prayer. That's willing willing to open your mouth. And share the truth. And the gospel with others. Then the devil sees you as a threat. So. Just like. The illustration I used earlier in this sermon. The reason we changed our whole defense that night is because that one guy was really good. He was a threat to the rest of the team of us losing. And so we mobilized, right? The devil is probably spending more time out in church parking lots than he is at the bars, He's already got those folks. He's outside the church parking lot or at your house waiting on you there to discourage you, to lie to you, to beat you up, so that at least you'll back down and not be so serious about this stuff. That's that's why we attract adversity. Because we are the ones that want to see God's will done. Is there a group of people in the true church, including this one, that would rather see God's will done than anything else in their life? Is that you? Is that me? Would you rather see God's will done more than anything else in your life? for you and the people you love, for the church, for the body of Christ. Where are those people that say my life, number one thing, is I'd rather see God's will done than anything else I know. Well, if you're that person, you are a threat to Satan. And he will spend some time making a run at you. He even made a run at Jesus, didn't he? And the garden. Tried to get him to do all kinds of things. And Jesus held him back with the word. Make sure you stay in the word. Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for Job. He is an inspiration to all of us. He's real. He's human. He's. He didn't do anything to bring all this on him, but we also know that he's not a perfect man. There was only one perfect person, and that's Jesus. But he was a righteous man. He was a man who did your will. But he's going through the struggles of the battle, and we're seeing his humanity, but he refuses to turn his back on you. Even though he's feeling like a moment that maybe you have turned your back on him. He's still staying the course. Let us have that same kind of heart, that same kind of spirit, that same kind of strength. Lead and direct us and help us to not get in moments or situations where we feel sorry for ourselves. Help us to always know that you're in charge. And we do know that, Lord. Help us not to forget it just because circumstances change. Help us to always live and understand that you're in charge. No matter how it looks, no matter what's going on in our own lives. We pray, Lord, that you will give us strength. As our day, so shall our strength be. That if you give us tomorrow, that we we know you'll give us the strength to walk it out. I pray, Lord, for the children at youth camp and the counselors and all the people that are helping there. I pray that you continue to do. We saw your spirit move there last night. We just pray that you'll continue to do that. I pray for anybody in the body of Christ here. And not just this body, but the satellite and the churches in Nigeria. And uh, sometimes we forget about all they go through, Lord. The battles they face. And not only that, but all the body of Christ around the world. I pray for the battles and the struggles that our brothers and sisters face that you would give them strength some Tharseo, some courage impart that into their lives we are living in troubled times help us to be strong in the power of your might it's not by might it's not by power but it's by your spirit in Jesus name